I so first you got morning. up and then you had a piece of toast and then no i'm trying to be paleo so i didn't have toast well you had that's... like cauliflower toast or whatever the fuck you do <laughs> no no beth actually made um cauliflower oh, toast i know yeah no she made uh pancakes paleo pancakes they were <laughs> egg egg a lot of egg yeah i know it's not, it's not gonna be vegan and banana uh so, egg and banana and yes. cashew butter so, so, cashew vegan butter is the only thing that's okay on the paleo person what what's Why wrong with vegan giving... christmas but like, why are you giving paleo a hard time? I'm just saying that it doesn't sound very good to have pancakes that are made of eggs. Okay. You know, I I prefer you know a nice flour pancake, but these these were pretty good, surprisingly. It's uh, not protein did. and fat versus I thought, carbs. I mean, I I thought that egg pancakes were called omelets. We we had gotten a paleo cookbook for Christmas. Which one did you get? Uh, it says paleo cookbook on it. Oh, <laughs> and it's I think it's like 300 recipes. I don't know what. I'm not up on the uh, paleo cookbook scene. Practical Paleo. In my get. in my world, this is the only paleo cookbook I know of. Practical Paleo is really good because it's a lot of recipes that have like four ingredients. You know, a lot of the cookbooks they'll have like super complicated recipes that you just don't want to make because it'll take you two hours and you'll have to go to the store and buy like thirty things. Speaking of vegetarianism, uh, I was reading "I Am a Strange Loop" by Douglas Hofstadter. And Pam, I know you're reading the other Hofstadter book. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually made, had to return it to the library, but uh, he made a pretty I will strong. Buy it. He made a pretty strong case for being a vegetarian. Seriously, he talks about being. Like, I th- I was so prepared to be angry because, like, I because last week I've encountered random people saying stupid things. Not that's just me being judgmental. Of I don't like to like talk about to people who aren't on board with vegetarianism that much. Because I've been vegetarian for 13 years, and I'm really sick of every, every dumb joke that everyone ever makes about <laughs> being vegetarian. And it's unoriginal, and that's probably the most offensive part. Uh, but yeah, I was totally prepared for you to say like that Douglas Hofstadter is like the Anthony Bourdain of programming or something. <laughs> <laughs> that he like hates vegans, but then you I have been watching a lot he, of Anthony Bourdain. You know, is actually pro. Oh, I didn't know that. He was talking about like... Uh... Uh, research position he had where he had to grab guinea pigs for an experiment and then couldn't do it and then he was vegetarian and then he was pescatarian and now he's vegetarian again. He's talking about uh, a sliding scale of what has a soul and you can't really decide what has and what hasn't if you really think about it enough. Mm-hmm. It was pretty interesting. I'm not, I'm not, a, it didn't make me vegetarian but it made me think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe someday. Cool. I, I think I'll probably read that book because I mean, you can actually get it on Kindle, and that's yeah. that's you know a lot of the thing. And you can get you can get you know go to Westerbach on PDF just on if you Google go to Westerbach, you can come up with a PDF. But I just I, I don't know. I prefer to get my books legally. It's just one yeah, of the ones too. that I'm sticky about. I just I get books in the library and I get books by paying for them, and because I believe in paying authors. So yeah, I actually do buy all my books, despite the fact that I find all my uh, that you discover all your other (laughs) media. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's mostly because Amazon just makes it so easy. You just press that button and it's on your Kindle Kindle. immediately. People people will send me an ebook that's been pirated or like their copy of it, and then I'll get like I'll get really offended that they did that, and then at the same time I'll be like, well, now I have the book. (laughs) Well, there's also the fact that if you read the Kindle version, it's a better experience. And if you pirate a movie, it's also a better experience. It's, Watching it on iTunes or any other DRM thing is worse. I totally really thought was. you were going to go with that, like that when you pirate it, it's usually worse because there's, you know, weird subtitles at the bottom and stuff. iTunes is so easy. You just click the button and announce <laughs> it plays. There's yeah. actually like a whole article or book about that, about how iTunes beat piracy by being easier than piracy. Yeah. That's what I thought you were kind of referencing. Speaking of ebooks, I were 
books in general, I guess. I started uh, listening to audiobooks. And this is only like yesterday I did this, but I started reading <laughs> Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Ooh. And it's an okay book, um, but I really like the audiobook format. But the my biggest complaint is there's not a ton of like computer science books. And I don't mean like programming, like I'm not looking for like somebody to read syntax to me, but I would like, you know, more books about more abstract computer science things. Alan Turing's biographies on there. What'd you say, Pam? You, oh, I'm, well, Len said Imitation Game is on there. Uh, or, or, sorry, Turing, The Enigma. The, the Enigma, the yes. Book. 30 hours of Alan Turing biography. Yeah. Oh, that'd be, that'd be cool to check out. I'll look for the that. The book is supposed to be really good. It is. I'm like halfway through. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick it up, but I've got like five books to read right now. Yeah, I was really hoping to find like I Am a Strange Loop or any other similar books or like <laughs> I'm kind of looking for like intro to computer science stuff like, you know. Uh, what's, the, what's the classic one that people say is too hard, but... It was controversial that they said it was too hard. SICP? Yeah. Oh, Structure yeah. I, interpretation I, I, and computer programming? Yeah. I want to read that at some point. I, I just started got reading that. it. I usually listen to pod- podcasts the podcast and drive. Really? I zone out. You zone out onto the road or you zone out onto the podcast <laughs> and crash? Like, no. Like, <laughs> kind of stop paying attention to the... Like, everything is one. It becomes just like, oh, yeah. Justin's talking about that thing. Mm, what is that? And then I'll, like... Yeah, I do that. I zone out when I listen to anything, which is why I love on um, in Audible the audiobook app, and then also on the podcast app. There's like a rewind fifteen seconds or thirty seconds button because I'll, I'll catch myself not paying attention. And I'll hit that and go back. So just one warning: if you ever do like a major clean, don't be listening to audiobooks because I like reorganized all my shit one day, and I was so engrossed in the book I had no idea where I put anything. Oh. Terrible <laughs> idea. I find myself listening. So I, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks, like when I'm on uh, on the train commuting. But I also like to do it when I'm taking care of our child because I don't really have. I was actually talking about this on Twitter today. Like I don't have any senses free except for my ears, and that's not not even entirely. What else is going on outside of my world? Speaking of your world, though, are you uh, free to talk about your plan? My plan for what? The plan you're talking about today. Your plan for a new podcast? <laughs> uh, there's that plan. Uh-oh, what is this plan? Uh, so I was thinking of doing a new podcast about JavaScript because I'm a Rails developer and all I write is JavaScript. So I'd, <laughs> in 2015, I would like to uh, just get more in my world. Is it going to be like, you're uh, just going to suck it up and become a JavaScript developer, Len? I mean, I pretty much already am. Right, but you have been in like, you've been a Rubyist, but... Yeah. Taking your Ruby badge. Yeah, so I was... Well, I was... A long time ago, I was thinking about doing a Ruby podcast and I mostly just fell in love with the name. I was going to call it the gem file. NPM uh, modules, you can call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have to call it NPM modules because modules are coming in ES6. So mm. just module? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I was module. joking that you can call it grunt file, but then you'll change the name every year. <laughs> grunt file, grunt <laughs> file. Fellow <laughs> uh, rap. Yeah, I think we've done a, that joke. Are you going to have a panel or are you going to be like interviewing people or are you just going to be freestyling about JavaScript? I was thinking I would just get a different guest to talk about whatever library they run or are an expert in every week. Do you have any names besides? Yeah, so help file? me pick a name. Um, I'm Jails. between Gruntfile. What? Jails, like Rails and JavaScript. <laughs> JavaScript on Jails. <laughs> There, there is actually, I mean, you could, do you not know that there is sales? I'm not kidding. What is sales? It's Rails for JavaScript. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's there. I mean, I'm sure it's it's special in its own special unicorn way. But There's something about the gem file that I don't think Grunt file hits what the gem file like 
Well, there's, oh. there's a couple problems with it, right? Because... Well, and every Rubyist uses a gem file. Not every use, uh, JavaScript uses a grunt file. Exactly. And if I called it the grunt file, it would kind of sound what like you, I had some, like... What if you call like, it the semicolon? The semicolon. Mm. And then what if you oh. have every episode, people have to, at the end, state their stance on semicolons? Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, every... You have, to, you have to, like, end every sentence with semicolon. Semicolon. <laughs> semicolon? <laughs> no, it's not a sentence. It's a statement. Semicolon. Oh, uh, yeah. Semicolon. Yeah, Is I'm gonna plus expression? one that. I'm gonna plus one that name. <laughs> semicolon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have semicolon. I have module, and I was also thinking about undefined. Oh, I like that one too. Ooh, Man. maybe we should just have mini shows. All that just, just so you can use all the names up. <laughs> yes. Isn't isn't a show a mini show? Isn't are you buying these domains show? right now? Because someone will after like- No, actually they won't because .fm domains are like seventy five bucks. Oh, okay. Oh, for .fm. Yeah. Why do you want a dot .fm? All the cool podcasts. Like a real podcast. Yeah. I want dot .am. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually a conservative Republican radio podcast. Dot .hd radio. You can have like really small MP3 file sizes. <laughs> <laughs> FM quality. AM quality. Yeah. <sighs> well, good luck on your uh, new venture. We'll miss you. I'm not going anywhere. Wait, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> the hell i know foreshadowing justin no I, I knew that i just wanted to okay okay <laughs> so we have the semicolon and a module undefined okay i'll sleep on so it the, so that's your, does anyone else have grand plans for 2015 because we we can talk this is our great idea you know it's our new year's episode so we could do 2014 retro now and then 2015 goals next okay already went though it's okay. Yeah, I'm we also thinking about making a podcast. It's gonna be well, computer yeah. science, computer science book club. Nothing's concrete yet. I'll talk about it more next week. Yeah, I still think you could maybe do the papers we love podcast. I think that'd be really cool. Did you know I found out that there's a type theory podcast? I haven't listened to it yet, but oh, well, we listened to that one uh, when we went to Steel City, right? You listened to the type theory podcast? I think so. Uh, I don't know. Like it? It was on Haskell Types. Remember that, Justin? I don't remember. I remember we listened to a podcast. I don't remember which one. Yeah. It was it was deep. So what did we do in twenty fourteen? We started a podcast. That's true. Uh that's going, you know, so so. <laughs> getting those subscribers. <laughs> yeah. I got a new job. Did you? Oh you did. That did I happen did. this year for you. So did you, Justin? No? Maybe last year. I don't know. Uh yeah, I guess technically, yeah. Um I didn't do as much speaking as I well I kind of plan not to do speaking because we my wife were expecting a child so I knew I would have a busy fall um but I'm hoping next year to send out some abstracts and get some more talks in what do you want to talk about uh I don't know that's what I'm trying to think about um I have been making these url shorteners in a bunch of different languages and I feel like there's something I could say about that um in the past month or so I've been really thinking about microservices and how you should define um Define your domain models in a uh, language agnostic format so that you can use it across all of your languages that you're using in your microservices. But I don't really have any professional experience with that, so I don't know if I really feel qualified to talk about it. Uh, I'm still kind of exploring that. Um, I kind of want to just re-give the talk that, uh, I'm forgetting his name, Integration Tester or Scam. <laughs> Len, who was that? Oh, J.B. Rainsberger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a... Integration like that. Tester or Scam because of math. Because of math. Talk. Yeah. I didn't actually uh, Spoiler, math? sorry. Spoiler. Or meth. Math. Not meth. That'd be interesting. Not Breaking Bad. <laughs> you got Heisenberg uh, bugs. Heisenberg? How about you, Pam? You wrote a book. 
yeah, I finished my book and my book is out. Um, I've also, this is the first year in a while that I stayed at the same job. So go me. <laughs> um, you must love it there. I do. I like it pretty well. Um, and then what else happened? I moved, uh, apartments. That was nice. Um, yeah, that's a lot of the major stuff. I spoke a lot. Um, oh, I organized a conference. I organized Liberty JS within six weeks cause I was bored. Uh, <laughs> and then we had an awesome conference and we'll bring it back for 2015. Nice. So yeah, we have to figure out about if we, yeah, if we want to maybe pay ourselves this time, that would be kind of nice, but we did all labor of love stuff last year this year we'll see but yeah so lots has happened do you have to create a business for the conference if you do that i think so what people people do usually is they'll end up starting an events company and then host events underneath it is it really worth it though to pay yourself because then you have to deal with all that stuff and like taxes and you do, but <laughs> at the same time, there's there's also an inherent thing to if you're doing work that maybe you should pay yourself. Mm. That like, even if like it's that. and and that you can pay other people too, and so yeah, that it's true. you know yeah. like dealing with funneling money through you know like hey sponsor, if you could write a check directly to the caterer, that'd be really swell. Like, it's kind of awkward. So and then you don't get you bored know. of the thing that you're doing and like. Yeah, when you get paid for it, even if it's just a little bit, it really helps a lot to keep you motivated. Just because it's not just, well, I do this thing and no one cares. It's, well, whatever, I pay myself a, a minor stipend and I can, you know, afford to fly in speakers from elsewhere and put them up and do the other good things that you really should do when you start, you know, having budgets and being smart about it. Uh, I know that the Ruby, Ruby Central, is that what it's called? Uh so they make, I think, all of their money from the Ruby and Rails conferences, RailsConf, RubyConf. I know RubyConf, I'm not sure about RailsConf, but they make enough money from that to fund um, hosting Ruby Gems, which it costs like, I think, like $7,000 a month. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. So I kind of I find that interesting, like funding a language's sponsorship through conferences. It's kind of like self-serving, but <sighs> thank you for putting on a conference, Pam. Thanks Seems for like a having a cool. You started a meetup this year. You didn't. Mention oh yeah, that. I did. I was, I was going to say like I like going to conferences, and I've thought about like hosting one, and it seems like a lot of work. It is a hell of a ton of work. Uh, but yeah, started a meetup for software craftsmanship. Two meetups. Uh, well, no, the other one's not really a meetup. Well, I guess it's just coffee. Um, yeah, I went to SCNA Software Craftsmanship North America in October 2013, and. Then got back to Philly and researched like software craftsmanship meetups in other other cities, and I think like New York had one and some other places. Um, so yeah, now we have a software craftsmanship meetup in Philly, and I actually already have speakers lined up through April this year, 2015. Yeah, and it's kind of I'm learning a lot uh, trying to host a meetup and making mistakes and seeing what what is actually worth worth it and what isn't. So I thought I would mention on the podcast that I'm going to hacker school. Yeah. It's now public knowledge. And so the podcast is where I will first make it internet knowledge. Congrats, uh, I'm not, I'm not, thank you. Um, I'm not going until February. And so it's one of those things where I think it's, it, I'm sometimes annoyed when people share things too early when it's like, oh, I got a new job. Here's my three months notice. 
Like that's really kind of annoying. Can you explain um, so, what hacker school is if anyone doesn't know? I didn't yeah, know so, and I was not as excited as I should have been. <laughs> you were like, oh, great. I was like, that's cool. Congrats. <laughs> and then I read about what it was. I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I kind of thought that everyone knew what it was. And then that rapidly dawned on me as I was telling people and they'd be like, what? Um, You're going to break so into things? I think, yeah, my favorite is when I told my mom, I caught up with her one week and I told her how I'm going to Belize for my hate, I hate winter trip. And I'm going with my friend named Kelly, who happens to be a man named Kelly. And uh, I also told her I was going to hacker school in New York for three months. And my, I get a call from my sister two hours later who says that mom told her that I was going to go become a hacker and that I was going to Belize with my girlfriend <laughs> for two weeks. And so I kind of get it's easily misinterpreted, apparently. Um, but uh, anyway, so I got a, uh, I applied to hacker school, got a leave of absence. So I, I'm going blessed by work to uh, you work on open source software for three months. And the goal is just to become a better programmer. So it's just a, a place where pe- interested, like-minded people go in New York and work on stuff to become smarter, which sounds really awesome to me. Uh, I don't yet know what project I'd like to work on, mostly because I would really like to meet people there to collaborate with but that that said that I really do want to work on my mathy stuff on algorithms functional programming stuff that's very very hacker schooly from the people I know who've been to hacker school so do you you mentioned topics but do you have any topics like more specific like, like what about like, math or like machine learning would be a good topic. I focused a lot on interfaces and I really love interfaces, but I would like to also be able to do some of the stuff that, you know, I love building smart interfaces, but I also want to do some of the interesting stuff behind the scenes that does the thinking, the thinking part of the machine. Are you going to try and learn a new language while you're there or use JavaScript as your hammer? Or I mean, I do Scala and Swift now too, so... Mm. Ruby and Python. Scala's a pretty good target, and it depends on who I would want to work with. I could learn whatever okay. with if there was someone I wanted to work with who insisted on something, you know. But I kind of I suspect that Scala will play a role, but no guarantees. But it depends on who who else is there to collaborate with. So that's my big plan for 2015: the I Hate Winter Trip, uh, speaking at Forward JS, and then Hacker School for three months. So anyone on the podcast who, you know, has said to themselves, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to sublet an empty bedroom that I have in New York to someone <laughs> on a podcast that I enjoy listening to. Please contact us at Turing Cool on Twitter. Nice. Or at Pam Sully. <laughs> or, well, actually at Pamasaur because oh, Pam yeah. Sully is my, the one I, I own to squat on my name, but mm. Pamasaur is the one I use. Totally forgot about that. It's okay. You don't, didn't remember my dinosaur handle. I'll forgive it. All right, that was my exciting 2015 news. I was really excited to share that. I've, I've been really looking forward to this episode. What's in store for 2015 for the podcast? Do we have any plans? Or Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I would like to... Well, we had so many... We had some good, solid noun topics in the summer, but I feel like we've run through a lot of our noun topics, and I think maybe it's time to start growing into guesting. Being yeah, good we had with a couple guests. guests. Pam got most of them. Yeah, I did. And uh, you guys can get, you all have friends too. (laughs) And also that uh, it's not just our friends, it's people that we think are cool and want to talk to. That's why I brought, I met Kelsey at Strange Loop and then I brought her on. So you all can do that too. So sometime next month, Austin Serafin is going to come on and he's going to talk to us about accessibility. Austin's a blind developer here in Philly. And he, yeah, he gives great talks. So he'll be a, I think he'll be a good guest. But yeah, and we've talked about having a types guest for like for a while. 
I think we should suck it up and have a types guest. I like us to read more papers. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't think Len enjoyed it. <laughs> well, he enjoyed the. I, I think he enjoyed the first one. This one was a little rough. I but. didn't think that last episode went over that well. Maybe we like need an order of papers. Like maybe we like we need to know the land of calculus before we read an article using it. I mean, that's not an illogical supposition. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I I think I found no, I found the paper that particular paper we just read because it was kind of short and silly on paper versus we love. But one of the things you can do for finding anytime, like I think I talked about this before, that anytime you read a paper and they mention uh, as so and so said in the seminal work, you should generally like stop what you're doing and go read that paper <laughs> because if it's a seminal work that you haven't read, then it probably is the basis for a lot of things. Mm, true. Sort of, I, I, I think this is a valid comparison that people sometimes do that with the good parts. Just less so anymore. Mm-hmm. Less so anymore, but I feel that it's less so in the last year. But I feel that before that, it seemed like everything I read in JavaScript would reference the good parts. Len. And so even if you didn't understand the good parts, you still had to read it and only understand 20% of it. <laughs> that's another name, Len, the good part. Mm-hmm. Oh, be, that's, uh, a good, that's a good podcast name. <laughs> that could be taken wrong. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Why do you ruin everything? I'm sorry, I have a dirty mind. It's also the name of somebody else's book. I don't think it's also the name of a book, but then that. it's... <laughs> like, I, I, could, yeah. wait, I could just call my show Douglas Crockford. <laughs> I think he would beat you up the next time he saw it. You could call it literally Douglas Crawford. <laughs> literally Douglas Crawford. <laughs> oh, man. When I was going to say it could be like Turing Incomplete where you have to add something self-deprecating in it. <laughs> so it can be the pretty good parts. Uh, I think undefined is pretty self-deprecating. Undefined is not a number. <laughs> <laughs> Nam. You could also use Nam. That'd be hard to say. I don't want a name that's hard to say. It's good bread. You need to say like a robot too. Like, welcome to the Nan podcast. <laughs> right, I have I have a pop quiz. I was looking up. Do you all remember in the Lego Movie the the, the bouncy world where they go to where the unit the kitty movie. is? Yes. Uh, okay, we have not. Se- we it's not news that you haven't seen movies, Jervon. We get it. I actually saw it recently. I really liked it. <laughs> it was really cute. And did you know that 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 awesome song that's probably going to win a Grammy is uh, sung by Tegan and Sarah? Is that everything are, is awesome? Can you sing every, it? Yes. Oh, that's everything great. Is awesome. I was, yeah, I was joking and Tegan with and Sarah uh, is amazing. Yeah, it's Sarah. that I should download that song. And I actually have a lot of their albums. Uh, they're uh, artists that make songs. I don't know. Let's check them out. <laughs> Tegan and Sarah? Yeah. They are Canadian, but don't hold that against them. <laughs> No, that's uh, pretty great. I like. Hmm, I'm trying to think which one's the best one for Javon to listen to. You should listen to the, the Con. Okay, I think it's got a little. Yeah, awesome. the Con's like their classic album. The newest album is what Heartbreak. Heartthrob. Heartthrob. It's they had more of a an LA kind of producer with that, so it's more poppy. So it's not as. I, I'm glad because I'm glad that they're finding commercial success because I, you know, there's no glory in being a weird indie band for your entire life, but. Their old stuff is a little different. Do you mean glory in the sense of paper? Paper money? Oh, uh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Tegan that and Sarah was, between talking heads and Tegan. That thing you I'm gonna I'm gonna backsplain that thing you mentioned on the back channel because I think Len and I both misunderstood it. You said that when recruiters you get random recruiters, you give them a magic number. <laughs> and and I didn't get it at first. And I was like, but what well, magic number do you give them? I didn't get that you meant a salary. <laughs> Is that what is it, Len? Did we misunderstand it the same way? Yeah, I think it's just a magic number. I think of code. I thought it was like some coding problem we were talking about. Like <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, did you trick them? What did you do? 
I sent them pie. Like, did you ask them what the last number in pie is and send them in a recursive loop? <laughs> the last number. <laughs> nice. No, yeah, like, so a recruiter contacts you and, you know, doesn't, usually they're pretty well misinformed about, like, what your skills are. So you just kind of give them a number, and if they have any positions that are at or above that number, then you could spend time listening to them. But if they don't, then then you just, you know, solve your problem. Or you could delete the email, too. That works. I guess it depends how desperate you are. Pam, I remember one time we had a really long conversation about what you should do about a recruiter email. Was it that you should send them a paperless post inviting them to go away? <laughs> no, no, we were wondering like whether or not it's rude to not reply. Or Oh, that was the email etiquette thing. Because when someone, if someone responds to an email that they previously sent you saying, hey, you know, just seeing if you got my email. And is it rude to just completely ignore them and can carry on ignoring them? I don't know. No, you totally ignore recruiters all the time. I mean, yeah, I think it's. I think that was the conclusion that we had was that it's fair. Recruiters because, like boggle my mind also, because because also if you respond, the whole thing is that it's you know you have to detach yourself from that. There's you have to detach yourself from the idea there's another human on the end because they have detached themselves. Most of them have detached themselves from you being a human on the other end. Yes, and the second that you respond to it, you go from a cold lead to a warm lead. Oh yeah, and you become part of their quota. And so, you just don't want to become part of their quota because you want them to just stop, stop being so maybe, bad at their jobs. Maybe that's it. So, so the, uh, it's just my head. So it seems like a good idea that if you were looking for a job and companies were looking for employees, that there would be some person in the middle that could connect employees to potential companies and vice versa. And then they would take a cut and right. they would match your skills up. Well, and that's you the know, thing. Correctly. That's why this is still a thing that they haven't figured out. But, like, it seems such a good still, idea. Like, they're why still, if- you know, even, I mean, hey, hacker school makes their money by, and they can have this really fun, interesting environment because it is completely optional. But if you want them to help you get a job, they will help, they will give priority to companies that recruit with them, and then they take tw- the 20% of your first year salary. So, here's the and thing okay. that's enough money to run a school for an entire, like, you know. Yeah. With staff and everything. So here's the thing about recruiters, right? Ideally, they will learn about you and know exactly what you want and what you're capable of. And they will learn about the jobs and they'll make the best match. But I think, you know, that is not in the recruiter's best interest. I think most of them learn that uh, their most uh, bang for the buck. Yeah, it's just to like shovel as much shit in both directions and whatever sticks on the wall is uh, more profitable for them. At the risk of Justin taking this the wrong way, they're kind of like the creepy guy at the party. You know, the creepy guy at the party. Why would I? The creepy guy at the party. It's just a party? numbers game. The, no, no, I just mean that you're gonna like. You're gonna make find it, like, something weird. wrong with it. Yeah, uh, don't make it weird. I just mean that like there's a creepy guy at the party who doesn't care who they hit on. They just hit on everybody, mm. and because they hit on everybody, eventually the creepy guy at the party goes home with somebody. Do you think every recruiter like starts off like I'm not gonna be like every other recruiter. I'm gonna be like really good, and I'm gonna know what like their little idealistic. Yeah, I mean, I like think, like I'm sure. Like, I, I many... know that recruiting is an easy job to get too. So part of it is just you know, wow, this is a job that has need... a lot of potential, and all I have to do is just not be a shitty human being, and <laughs> so everything think... will work out. And then I think each recruiter now has their like, own stick. So like one might do like coaching, or based on what I talked to recently, um, or one might add on a certain type of service with their recruiting. <laughs> all right, we need to move on. <laughs> So every recruiter has their own thing going on. So I found the thing from the from the Lego movie, and it is Cloud Cuckoo Land. 
Cloud Cuckoo Land and with Unikitty. Because uh, Unikitty lives in Cloud Cuckoo Land. Uh, love- and, it's, and Cloud Cuckoo Land is actually like a real phrase that exists that I hadn't heard before the Lego movie. The I reference love- comes from a play by Aristophanes. So that's like, as everyone remembers, you know, the references in that book are so, or the movie are so good. Lego movie. Yeah. Like it's a kid's movie, but it's like, like you can really, really enjoy it as an adult. Well, I always thought that that's, I mean, that's an interesting thing about getting to make media for kids and why a lot of people enjoy it is because one, kids are pretty fun. And so you can do fun stuff, but you're also still adults writing it. And so that's why it's interesting when, you know, I find it interesting when you see kids movies that are really good. You know, the obvious example would be the Bronies, you know, because Friendship is Magic is a pretty good show. I think you should leave that silence in there. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of hoping for that. That was the gag I was going for. Good work, everyone. (laughs) So we aren't going to talk about everyone's favorite pony. This is what happens when we record at night. I I actually don't know much about My Little Pony. I mean... Although I will say, the most I know about it is... Start watching Friendship's Magic with your your wee babe. There's a... uh, Wee babe? Wee babe? There's a... um, Tiny child. There's a a Unix command called uh, CalSay, where you type in a command and it prints out a cow saying the the phrase that you typed in. Um, And there's also a Pony Say command that I found on Homebrew. And oh my god, Pony Say is like ridiculous. It has a database of all the, the My Little Ponies, and there's like different like sections of ponies in the database, and you can there's all these different like stylistic choices, and it prints out the pony in full color in your terminal, saying the command that uh, the the phrase that you put in. Is the pony really big? I think I remember seeing this somewhere. Yeah. So so with the detail that they that they have, that it is very large, um, especially at my font size. <laughs> How do they store, like, uh, where's the should, database? You should check it out. I don't okay. know. It's a, it's a file database, not, my, okay, not like okay. a literal, like, SQL database. Okay. Which I guess could also be a file if you're using SQLite. Yeah. Magic. Magic. Pony magic. Pam, what is what is the magic in My Little Pony? It's friendship. Justin. Friendship. <laughs> that would be the magic in My Little Pony. Awesome. We can have a That's brony why. episode. I don't know anything about this, so we can invite we should a guest. Do, didn't we learn that we shouldn't do episodes about things we don't know anything about? <laughs> Like program. No, that's why we have a guest. So you, the guest can oh, educate little... me. Did oh. mm. mm. anyone um, have 2015 plans they didn't get to share yet? Uh, talks, podcast. Uh, no. I'm going to try and be a better human being. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you can both do it. I think it's cool. It's going to have more empathy. Oh. <laughs> Len, are you going to any conferences? I'm going to CodeMash next week. So when you say you're going to CodeMash next week, does that mean you're, is CodeMash like your New Year's party? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Tuesday through Friday. Wow. Is the speaker lineup up yet? It's up. And I think I was lamenting how much .NET there was before, but I forgot that there was like six or seven sessions every single time slot. So I've definitely found one or two things I want to go to every time slot. So what are you excited excited about? Um, there's just lots of uh, lots of soft talks, lots of talks okay. about Rust, and there's also a board game room for the entire conference, and they have life-size settlers of Catan. Since you missed that Philly RB talk on Rust, you, you might as well go to a Rust talk at Codemap. Yeah. Swag, bring back lots of swag. Any last 2015 plans before we move on to picks? Mm, I... I'm good. It's not anything different, but I want to learn... I want to learn some of the languages I've played with more in depth. 
and 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 computer science topics and kind of like with both of those i want to know you know what a monad is and a monoid and a functor and an endofunctor and a category and a set and all these things sounds like you have an intense year ahead of you <laughs> so actually on reddit today i saw somebody's publishing a book that's uh learn you some algebra um named after the learn you some haskell and learn you learn you a haskell and learn you some erlang um it's not even close to done yet there's only like three chapters and i think he's planning to do like 12 or 15 um but that seems like a really cool book that i would want to read also i would like to ship something <laughs> uh not for work just for my own stuff i'm really not good but i'm really consistent at shipping like command line utilities but i want to like ship a thing that non-programmers can use so you want to ship a product yes not a tool correct mm. that's been my goal for like the last four years you should do it never happened. we could we could do it together hey there's an idea <laughs> we can be better humans and release a tool for humans non-programmer humans or we could just focus on the tool and not care if we get worse as people then we'd make money all right i think it's time for picks yeah Javon, do you have a pick i do have a pick uh i have two picks uh first pick is a vim plugin by tim pope uh for commenting um i started using it i like it it's simple very tim popey um and my music pick is a song called daffodils by mark ronson and happy new year to everyone <laughs> <laughs> Your pick is 2015. 2015 is going to be a fucking awesome year. Uh, cool. Justin, do you have a pick? Yeah. Uh, I have a food pick. So for Christmas Eve dinner, we had a British-themed dinner. Um, so we made shepherd's pie and bangers and mash and some other stuff. Victoria sponge cake was really good. Uh and this bangers and mash recipe I have, I found, I mean, like, the, the bangers, you're just cooking sausage, it's not really that special. But this mashed potato is, like, the best mashed potatoes I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, so you should try it. It's got mustard and creme fraiche and whole milk and butter. It's just delicious. Um, yes. Yes, it is absolutely fantastic. So we used it. Um, for the bangers of mash and also on the shepherd's pie. And I even made sweet potato uh, mashed potatoes for people that had potato allergies and they liked it as well. I used the same recipe. I just substituted the type of potato. Cool. Pam, do you have a pick? Yeah, so I don't think we've picked this yet and it seemed actually also great for our 2015 resolutions that uh, Fogus has a list of 10 technical papers every programmer should read at least twice. It's an old article, but I guarantee we haven't read the papers, so we could read these papers. So it's an idea, both a pick and a suggestion. And then I also had a a link on that I don't know if we shared on the podcast before so if we have uh, <laughs> that uh, I actually so I need to do some refactoring some of the stuff that I've written in Swift with monad type structures and so I was looking at that and my friend uh, Sarush sent me refactoring Ruby with monads which is relevant to you folk as well and yeah. so it's the it's actually the 
it's a whole transcript basically slash long blog post explanation of a talk that this person gave at various conferences this year there's also a video available and slides um, but if you are like me and you like to just read fast then there here's a nice post that does the whole thing so you don't have to watch a video that that's pretty cool nice Cool. Um, so my pick is a little bit of a cop-out, I think, being that our podcast is Turgon Complete. We'd be remiss to not pick the imitation game. I got to see it last night, and it was... Oh, like, I should have done that. Did you? I really yeah. liked Way it. Invite I really me. liked it. We should talk about it. <laughs> it was like twice as good as I expected it to be. That's why I ended up actually buying the uh, Alan Turing biography on Audible. I will watch it as soon as we can find a babysitter. No. Oh. What's the criticism? I mean, I, I know they like changed the there's story definitely for simplicity. a bunch of stuff changed i mean i still love the movie because i still love that there's an adventure movie about someone who does math um so that's you know you can't take that away from me but it's a really you know i'll i'll drop the link in the show notes because it's a really good good read to clarify some of the things like they did make him seem they pretty much showed him as if he he may have had asperger's but they pretty much show him really socially awkward and inept Right. And that that's not the way Turing's friends and compatriots would have described him. Then and also that, you know, they did show his homosexuality, but they don't, you know, show him ever kissing a man or anything. Um, but when he was well known to do that often. Yeah. Uh often and with rigor, I believe, well, according that's, to that's so case. much yeah, that's so much fair. <laughs> I mean they, they made it sound like your books. Yeah. But well, the, the the period of his life that they It made it sound on. like he just like pined and didn't ever do anything. That's true. So, really and I good. think even that the man who broke into his house was one of his boyfriends, and I don't know if he, that if he was a prostitute. But in the movie, they made him sound like he's a prostitute. Like they in the movie, he was definitely a prostitute. But in I, you'll you'll know more when you read the book because it's you know that's a, would would have been a change from the book. But I think it was a boyfriend. Right. There's so. some there's some parts where they change the facts a little bit, which I didn't mind too much, just because. You know, if you can make a simpler story by combining two people, it's it's fair. If your main goal is entertainment and secondary goal is a historical accuracy, but it was a, it was a good time. Oh yeah, I totally agree with that because you also you're condensing a long story into two hours. So right, right. So follow us on Twitter at Turing Cool and show notes are at Turing Cool slash thirty four. And I'll talk to you guys next year. Bye. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.